Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Oh, that was pretty good. We might have to record that one and just replay it. Just kind of be our stock open. I like that. I'm really excited about how good that was by me. You should. You should be excited. Thank you. It's Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. It's presented by Mungan St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. You only get me for an hour, but if you're smart, you're listening to HD2 radio from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., and now you're getting me for your fourth hour. And if you're really smart, not like people say, I'm not dumb, not like people say, what actor did that? John Cazale. Wow. What A lot of people know that was Fredo. But they wouldn't know the actor's name, and he also was in The Deer Hunter. He's got one of the greatest IMDb's ever. He's got both Godfather 1 and 2, The Conversation, Deer Hunter, and Dog Day Afternoon. And why wasn't he in Godfather 3? He was no longer alive. Wow. Spoiler alert, right out of the gate. Well, both the character and the actor. More so the actor not being alive was probably the bigger problem. Yikes. Texting your thoughts on that. Have fun today, Jackson. And he was with someone super famous, too. Justin Bieber. Mer- Meryl Streep? I think John Cazale was like dating Meryl Streep. 314-399-9646. I understand mic drops are coming in today. They certainly are. And I understand Taylor Twelman's going to be with us today, presented by Together Credit Union. Very- Doggies with a wonderful win on Saturday night. Uh, so uh, that is coming up on today's program. I think the story today is this Ken Rosenthal column. Yeah. Did they discuss this? I always feel bad because I turn in there and then I become I become aware that the executive producer doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> so it's better for me not to look in there. Uh, did they discuss the Ken Rosenthal column on the opening drive? They did? Okay. I didn't know if uh, that was discussed. We discussed it on TMA and also a show on Hulu called Outlander. Mm-hmm. Um, this Ken Rosenthal column, Jackson. Now, for the record. I did place the wager on the Cardinals to win the division this morning before coming into Hubbard Radio St. Louis to do TMA and Balloon Party, and I have a sound story coming up at 11.30. All these tasks, and yet I still had the presence of mind to place the wager on the Cardinals. I got them at plus 8.50. I didn't bet 10000 like you do. Right. I didn't bet four figures, which I was honestly thinking about, but I did place... A comfortable wager. Hey, good for you. I personally wouldn't, but hey, it's your money, man. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously, I have lots and lots of it. It's so exciting to right. be me. Right. Disposable income, HD2 life. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, no one on the corner has swagger like us. Swagger like us. Swagger like us. Uh, and so I placed the wager at plus 850. Now, with that said, I can have both of these thoughts exist 
I placed the wager, getting a price point that I like of mm-hmm. eight and a half to one on my money. And yet I am a big fan of what Ken Rosenthal wrote this morning on The Athletic. On TMA, I plan to read an excerpt, and then I found myself reading the entire column. <laughs> which I don't like to do because The Athletic is behind a paywall. And I respect that these artists have created content that they should be compensated for. I'd never agree with a take more than that one right there. It's the same reason why I subscribe to Brazzers. Same thought. <laughs> So I feel like I can't do it again where I read the whole thing. But it is a great column, and it's at theathletic.com. Ken Rosenthal, the title of the column is the following. Enough caution. Cardinals need to consider bold action at the trade deadline. So I think for those of you who either read Cardinal content or post Cardinal opinions on social media... Uh, message boards, wherever you may roam, uh, this would really be a go-to article for so many reasons because it, it outlines not only the future the Cardinals are staring down, but also the past that has played a role in getting them to this point. Uh, for the record, this is the math. The Cardinals have an 11.1% chance of winning the National League Central, according to fan graphs. And as Rosenthal points out in this article, that is better than the Padres' chances of winning the NL West, which is 6.1, and the Mets' chances of winning the NL East, 0.2. And then he outlines the National League Central. By the way, brief aside. Yeah. you got to throw down your standard unit size of $10,000. Right. Who wins the National League Central? You're not getting any odds. You're just picking out of the five teams. Who wins the National League Central? Call me naive. Call me prisoner of the moment, but I'm saying Cincinnati. Okay. Well, that's where that's where I was a couple weeks ago, and now I look like a soothsayer. <laughs> so you really are in the right now. The Reds have lost three in a row since that winning streak, and they're a half game back of the Brewers. You can get the Brewers, same amount of prices as the Reds. Uh, the Brewers have a history of falling apart towards the end of the season. Obviously, the Reds have had falling apart for the last decade, but I'll take the Reds. I like the energy. Ken Rosenthal actually would, uh, says the Cubs would be the team that might have the best shot. Um, but digressing, he uh, outlines the following. As things currently stand, the obvious choice for the Cardinals at the deadline, the safest choice would be to trade their top potential free agents, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, and Jordan Hicks. John Mazalock, meeting with reporters in London on Friday, said, quote, the message to our fan base is that we're not looking to blow up this team, but we are looking to find ways to improve this team. I feel like that's an evergreen message. Yeah, boy. That just doesn't really get anything going, but at the same time, he doesn't really attempt to get people going anyway. I think, right. I think he... I think his, you know, Tiger Woods did the uh, GQ interview that like ended his days of doing interviews uh-huh. way back when, 25 years ago, and then he no longer trusted the press. And I think for John Mazzalek, the low-hanging fruit comment was the moment where he goes, that'll wrap it up. <laughs> I am now going to give you nothing every time I do an interview. I would agree, but then he said that they're going to spend more in the offseason. And then proceeded to... Shut it down. Uh, so, then Ken Rosenthal goes on to outline the following. That's the proper message, considering the deadline is still five weeks away and the Cardinals are on pace to draw 3.3 million fans. If things do not improve and the season ends in disappointment, Mazalek might determine the team's performance was an aberration, an outlier after 15 straight winning seasons under his leadership, and he might not be wrong. The question 
Mazalek ultimately will have to answer, though, is how to proceed. The conservative Cardinals-like plan would be to sign Montgomery or a comparable starter, replace Flaherty and the retiring Adam Wainwright with other free agents, and supplement the bullpen. The team then would bank on its younger hitters to emerge as stronger compliments to Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and envision 90 wins as again within reach. But then Rosenthal points out the problems with that. And this is where the column gets nice and juicy. Mm. And you got a lot of meat Mm -hmm. and you got a lot of juice. Mm -hmm. Here are some of my drippings. This is what he says. The problem with that blueprint is twofold. Number one, the Cardinals under Bill DeWitt generally do not spend heavily in free agency. And Mazalak in the past decade rarely has spent wisely. In December 2015, the Cardinals made a strong bid for David Price, who signed with the Red Sox for $217 million, a record at the time for a starting pitcher. The near miss stung in the moment, but the Price deal proved the kind of albatross the Cardinals have been successful at avoiding. John Carlos Stanton's refusal to waive his no-trade clause to come and move to St. Louis in 2017 was another example. The Cardinals, point being, dodged two bullets. And I would actually say, and I know this might sound counterintuitive, but I think, I would like to think anyway, that most people would agree that the Cardinals' last-minute attempt to keep Albert Pujols following the 2011 season was also a bullet they dodged. It was wonderful to have 2022, but I don't think 2022 would have felt as good if you would have had another decade of 2012 through 2021 in which he could not be the designated hitter. Right, right. That's a key. I think it would have really tarnished the legacy. The way it played out, I don't think the legacy could have ended any higher, and I think in part it was because he wasn't here for those years in which he was not really performing to the value that the Angels or the Cardinals were going to give him. So, with all of that said, uh, in 2019, the Cardinals opened the season with a $162 million payroll. That was seventh in the majors. This season, their opening day figure was a franchise record, so they did increase the spending, Uh, But it was only 15th. True, some of the teams above them invested poorly, but as spending accelerated under a new CBA, the Cardinals did not keep pace. So let's get into some of the meat. Let's assume their priority this offseason will be to sign at least two free agent starters. Even if some of their pitching prospects appear ready, they will have to, right? They're not going to get Shohei Otani, Rosenthal writes. They're not getting Julio Urias. They're probably not getting any of the other prominent starters who might be available, like Aaron Nola, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Marcus Stroman. They probably would be looking at pitchers like, well, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty. Shopping on the second tier mitigates risk and is a fine strategy as long as the choices are sound. Just this season, for example, Nathan Eovaldi and Michael Waka are providing far greater bang for the buck than Jacob deGrom and Carlos Rodon. But the problem for the Cardinals is that their recent modestly prized equivalent was Steven Matz, whom they signed to a four-year, $44 million deal prior to 2022, and is now pitching out of the bullpen. Imagine how different the Cardinal team might look if John Mazalek had leveraged some of his young talent to acquire right-hander Pablo Lopez and or Sean Murphy. The Cardinals were deep in young outfielders and pitching prospects, but held all of them, failed to upgrade the rotation, and made the questionable decision to replace Yadier Molina with Wilson Contreras. And this is where Rosenthal goes outside the box, but I like it. And I like it quite a bit, as a matter of fact. Here is what he says. 
it might be time to move Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Oof. How about that, Jackson? The big and. Drafting and developing remains the Cardinals' specialty. Both the Athletics, Keith Law, and Baseball America ranked their system ninth best in the majors before the season started. So if a free agent splurge is unlikely, why not make a push for even more young talent and move Goldschmidt in addition to the more obvious trade candidates? And if Goldschmidt goes, why not Arenado in the offseason? Sounds like too much, I know. Mozeliak, in his comments Friday, all but said it would be too much. A team averaging 41,000 in attendance and profiting greatly from the adjacent ballpark village should seriously think twice about ever resembling a tanking club. But if only as a thought exercise, let's consider how such an idea might play out. I shall now take a break, and we will play it out on the other side of said break. Where do you come in on it? What do you think of that? Because this would be absolutely revolutionary for the Cardinals in general, and specifically the Bill DeWitt ownership group. Do you think, A, you would like to see them do it, and B, would they do it? Uh, Now, this is coming from the same guy who just placed money on them to win the National League Central. But the two can coexist because the information that we will garner as to whether or not to make that move is incomplete. You have five weeks of baseball between now and then. But for the sake of the discussion, Ken Rosenthal says the Cardinals should seriously consider trading Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I'll go into the column more next. Taylor Twellman, 1035. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Tim McKernan with you for one hour. Taylor Twellman with you in about 15 minutes as he joins us. Presented by Together Credit Union. And uh, in the first segment of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Ack here in Alton Toyota, uh, was reading portions of this column from Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic that debuted just a couple of hours ago. And uh, and we finished at the point where he was discussing the thought process that the Cardinals should seriously consider trading Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado if they are still out of the race come the trade deadline. Uh, he writes, Jackson Goldschmidt, the reigning NL MVP, is due to hit the open market after next season. He's still performing at a high level. But he'll be 37 in the first year of his next contract. Make him available for two pennant races, and the return almost certainly would dwarf what the Cardinals might get for any of their other trade candidates. Now, you remove Goldschmidt from the equation, and Arnado might be willing to waive his no-trade clause just as he did in Colorado when the Rockies did not build around him. Arnado, after finishing third in the MVP voting last season, has regressed both offensively and defensively. Perhaps the losing is getting to him. He's more emotional than Goldschmidt, but he's still only 32, still a well-above-average player. His remaining guarantee after the season is $109 million over four years. It's perfectly reasonable for a player of his caliber. Trading him would not be a salary dump. Arnado would bring a quality return. The Cardinals would need not acquire only top prospects. Uh, excuse me. The Cardinals would need not acquire only prospects. They could target major leaguers as well with the idea of retooling quickly. They followed such a path, albeit in more limited fashion, at the 18 deadline, trading Pham and Luke Voigt and obtaining Giovanni Gallegos and Henesis Cabrera and end, after ending a three-year playoff drought the following season. Without Goldschmidt and Arenado, the Cardinals' remaining core would include players such as Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, Lars Newtbar, Brendan Donovan, Mason Wynn, 
Gordon Graceffo, Tank Hansen, Michael McGreevy, and the Cardinals' payroll flexibility would be immense. Mazalek would be well-positioned to maneuver in free agency. Jackson, Yo. you've now heard excerpts from Ken Rosenthal's column this morning on the Cardinals in The Athletic. Number one, do you think the Cardinals would trade Paul Goldschmidt at the deadline and then would also consider trading Nolan Arenado either at the deadline or as Rosenthal outlines potentially after the season? Uh, and uh, what do you think the fan base's reaction would be if they went down that road? So I think that they would trade Paul Goldschmidt because I do think you could get a great haul for him and the trade makes sense for where the Cardinals currently are and what you could get in return for him. I do not think they would or should trade Nolan Arenado unless the haul you get back would be unbelievable. It doesn't make much sense to me. He's still MVP caliber guy, still playing at the top of his game, possibly his pure prime. I don't think that would make sense. If they were to trade both, I think the fan base would be in an uproar. I think if they traded Goldie, I think a good portion of the fan base would understand and be excited about the future. Um, all right. Now, here is here is something that I did not see Rosenthal discuss in his column, which I've now read three times, actually. And that is what the conversation was, which we don't know. Mm-hmm. And even if Nolan Arnato or John Mazalak were to say what it was, unless... John Mazalak or Nolan Arnato um, confirmed right. what the other said. Right. We would not really know. Um, but at the beginning of the offseason, John Mazalak flew out to Orange County and met with Nolan Arnato, and Nolan Arnato chose to not opt out. I cannot imagine. I just can't imagine. I don't know. This is 100% speculation. But I cannot imagine. That in that conversation, John Mazelek said, we're going to sign Wilson Contreras. That's going to do it. Do you want to opt out? Can't imagine you do after hearing about the Contreras news. And and by the way, this is Wilson Contreras when his stock was way higher. But also the Cardinal starting staff had question marks throughout. And also something that I feel like still gets ignored is the Cardinal offense has not been great the last few years, few years predating Nolan Arenado, as a matter of fact. And you were losing the guy who at the end of the season may have been hitting better than anybody. Yes, I know the MVP was Paul Goldschmidt, but at the end of the season, Paul Goldschmidt was tailing downward just like Adam Wainwright was. So with that all said, I just have a tough time believing that. And I wonder if Nolan Arenado is irritated by that. And if I'm reading between the lines, and this is this is straight read, this is not knowing anything, the fact that in his column, Ken Rosenthal writes, perhaps the losing is getting to him when talking about Nolan Arenado. He's more emotional than Goldschmidt. Does he know something? Mm. Has Arenado said something? Mm. That's what I want, because otherwise that's just kind of a, yeah, it's like it's a it's a bit of a throwaway line that you know, and I would I would agree on the, on the surface, not knowing either particularly well, interviewing both, but not knowing both, uh, that on the surface, uh, Arnado's in a different spot, both age wise, career wise, but emotion wise, and we've seen him get irritated when a team told them they were going to do one thing and then didn't do it. Yeah, and that is why I go back to that meeting in October and what he was told. 
And if the Cardinals are in a spot a month from now where they're eight games out, they're actually closer to the National League Central than they are the wild card, by the way, which is kind of difficult considering there's two wild cards now. But that just shows how bad the National League Central is. That would the Cardinals go that route? And would Arnado go, okay, I'm out too, Mm. and I want to go compete? Or would he be furious if the Cardinals did go ahead and go with a big sell-off? And is he comfortable with them trading away Montgomery, Flaherty, and Hicks, but would he draw the line on Goldschmidt? The thing that's interesting to me here locally is I would agree with you that many fans would be beyond angry if the Cardinals traded those guys away. Mm -hmm. But yet locally, I felt like five months ago, there was an understanding, an acceptance, and a desire even to see the Blues move on yeah. from guys who brought a championship here. Arnato and Goldschmidt haven't done that. In uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, and eventually Barbashev, who then went and got a championship with Alex Petrangelo, whose move or desire for a non-movement clause uh, played a role in him winding up in Las Vegas and winning another championship. It's always odd to me how I feel like the Blues are held to a higher standard than the Cardinals. I don't understand why. I just know what I know from living here almost all of my life and, and being in television radio here for a quarter of a century. It's a strange deal, especially considering one has a salary cap and one doesn't. So with that all said, uh, if the Cardinals, and we're talking about a hypothetical here because I still think it is a real good chance, as weird as it sounds, better than 11% chance for the Cardinals to win the National League Central. But I realize uh, it's still, even if I doubled those chances and got it to 22%, would the Cardinals be a favorite? Well, of course not. That means then 78% of the time they aren't the favorite to win the National League Central. The reason I bet it is because I think the price is right at 8.5 to 1. But if they are still flummoxed, and they are still in the cellar or close to the cellar of the National League Central, what will the organization do? It is a, it's a moment that we were observing closely with the Blues. Uh, that surprised me. This one surprises me even more, that the Cardinals could be in this position. Now, what do I think they will do? I don't think they'll trade either one of them. And by either one of them, I mean Goldschmidt and Arnato. I would be really surprised. I just don't think it's... It's what Bill DeWitt or John Mazalak would do. I just don't think it is what they would do. Um, unless one of them or both of them came to them and said, we want to move on. Yeah. This isn't happening. Paul Goldschmidt goes, hey, man, I'm going to be 36 in a month. He turns 36 in September. Uh, I only have so many chances, and it's obviously not happening here. Maybe it makes sense to move on. I think both of them, this is, once again, completely speculative, I think they both love St. Louis, and I don't say that about every athlete and just do the thing where I tell audience members how great it is here. Uh, but I think certain personalities really work here better than others. John, John Carl Stanton, for example, didn't want any part of this. He was a Miami guy, grew up in California, then played in Miami, and then in New York, that's what he wants. I think Paul Goldschmidt would love to never be recognized and just play the game of baseball. Uh, and I think Nolan Arnato is also a baseball guy. And so being in St. Louis fits. But he's also a competitor. And if he doesn't see this thing turning around, and he feels like perhaps he thought it was going to be one thing when he didn't opt out, and he got another thing, maybe he's irritated. Maybe that's what Rosenthal is indicating. And maybe the Cardinals would go, okay, 
we're going to part ways if you guys want to go. But on the surface, if an either one wants to go, I don't think they would trade him. Now, do I think that's the right thing? No, I think trading Paul Goldschmidt, if you are out of the race at the end of July, I think that would be the move to trade him. Because similar to Soto last year, you get two years for whoever the buyer is, and the return for the Cardinals would be just outstanding and something we really haven't seen. I didn't consider the 2018 moves as a sell. Um, and I'm surprised that it's used that way. I think kind of like looking back now, you would go, it was a, it was a bit of a sell. But at the time, I, I mean, I, I Luke Void on the podcast, St. Louis guys in studio with me, and I asked, what was that moment like when you found out you'd been traded from your hometown team? And I could be, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think he said it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And the reason was not because he wanted to leave the Cardinals, but because he knew he was going to get a chance to actually play every day. That's what that was about. And then he wound up having a great year with the Yankees. But that wasn't because um, the Yankees had gone, oh, we need to get Luke Voigt here. It's because, oh, he's available. Uh, And then he wound up having a great year. But that wasn't like a sell like this. Bill DeWitt has not been in this position as the Cardinal owner. And now we're going to find out how he handles it if the Cardinals don't write the ship in the next month. So, number one, do you want to see the Cardinals make substantial moves like what Rosenthal's talking about? And then secondarily, do you think the Cardinals would be willing to make such dramatic moves in the selling capacity? 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. Taylor Twelman joins us next, talking about the team that is in first place in St. Louis, and that is St. Louis City. That's next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Down to the pitch to talk soccer and City SC with Taylor Twelman. This is Talking with Twelman on 101 ESPN. Presented by Together Credit Union. Together Credit Union. The City SC Visa credit card is exclusively available at togethercu.org. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here. Uh, first half of today's show, discussing Ken Rosenthal's column on the changes the Cardinals need to make. He says they need to be bold one way or the other, and that is with free agency or considering trading Paul Goldschmidt uh, at the upcoming trade deadline, which could then lead to a trade of Nolan Arenado. That's on theathletic.com. We will discuss that again coming up at 1045. But right now, it is our pleasure to discuss the first place team in St. Louis, and that is St. Louis City with Taylor Twelman, brought to you by Together Credit Union. Morning, Taylor. Hey, buddy. How are you? I am wonderful. And I got to tell you, and I'm really curious on your perspective, that was a great win on Saturday for a variety of reasons. I got the sense when we talked last Tuesday, you thought things could begin being problematic for him with the injuries and the way teams may have caught on. And then they go into a place in San Jose that hadn't lost at home and they get a huge, huge win. Your perspective. 
I'd argue that's the biggest victory of the season up to this point. That's what I was um, wondering. And I just think, Tim, when you look at the circumstances, listen, they surprised everyone in the first five games, right? I get that. But more so, the script's out. You're missing your two most influential players, taking Berkey out of it naturally, because Berkey, you can make an argument, the MVP of the season for the team so far. And yet you look at it and say, wow, they're up against it. You get absolutely housed by Real Salt Lake at home Wednesday night. The team looks knackered, completely flat. And yet you've got to roll the dice a little bit and play some of your depth players that haven't played very little, if any at all. And then you go win in San Jose. I mean, I'll argue at the end of the year, I think that may be the biggest victory. It is up to this point, and it may be if you're talking about hosting a playoff game at home. Yeah, because if they if they lose that, it falls on the heels of what took place Wednesday night, as you made reference to against uh, Real Salt Lake. And then uh, you continue on still with the team being hurt by the injuries and, and lacking Klaus and, and Leuven, as you made reference to. And so to, to just have a stop on that and have that performance, that is critical. What did you notice as being some of, of the key differences in performance in addition to the obvious uh, with what we saw with the change uh, in the starting 11 and the recall? Yeah, I mean, listen, you bring in uh, a dinner in back. Uh, you and I talked about this, actually, and, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but the moment Jao Klaus went down, I remember saying right here on this show, why Why are you sending away one of your top players in that position? And I understand that Sam went to San Antonio and found some confidence. I understand that Bradley Carnell Lutz will tell me that he wasn't playing well in the moment. They needed him to get games. I get all of that, but you lost Klaus. You needed bodies. I thought Yarrow was fantastic at center back. I thought Watts was very strong at, at right back. You used your depth. You keep talking about your depth. But you've got to use it at some point. And I give Bradley Carnell a ton of credit. He went to it, used it, and there was a big smile on that coach's face after the game because now you got players stepping into a roster, stepping into a game, winning, now putting their name in front of the coaches and saying, listen, you can count on me. Now said depth is depth. And so I always thought there was an, uh, an argument and a debate to be had about the depth and where that is. But now you go out, make five changes to the starting 11. You recall uh, a dinner in, and he scores two goals. I, I love the fact he grabbed the penalty and just took it. Yeah. Didn't even look around. I mean, that's <laughs> a sign of a player that wants it, Tim. So I love that, and I think it sends a message to the rest of the roster that, yeah, you can count on us. Um, I just thought it was a real strong performance, but make no mistake about it. Berkey made two or three saves in that game. San Jose could have easily have won that game. Berkey, once again, provide the difference and is the MVP of this St. Louis City team up to this point. That's where I was going with my next question, Taylor. Uh, Roman Berkey, uh, in particular, right at the end. But that was not the only one that we saw when he was just making saves and stopping San Jose with really incredible scoring opportunities. What does it do for a for a team to know that you've got that back there? I mean, you decided him as the MVP. I don't know who would dispute that. Uh, I'm sure you've been on teams where you knew your goalkeeper was on, and I'm sure you've been on teams where you knew he might not necessarily be. How does it impact the guys in front of him? Yeah, I mean, I think for your listeners, it's similar 
to a certain extent of a Stanley Cup playoff run where your goaltender standing on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet in saying that, soccer around the world, football around the world, it's a little different, right? Because you've got to make one save where in hockey you're at the minimum going to make 25 to 30 saves if you're standing on your head, right? So there's a massive difference in the magnitude and the timing of your saves and what it does. I'll tell you this, it makes that back line of St. Louis City a little bit more relaxed knowing that if they screw up, they've got a goalkeeper behind them that's going to save them. On the other hand, I would say as a neutral and watching this team, at some point, Berkey can't make every save. Right. And so it is still alarming to me, Tim, that they give up the quality of chances that they're giving up, and yet uh, Berkey's coming up with the big saves. When you don't have a goalie that's doing that, you and I are probably talking about a completely different season for St. Louis City. And so for an expansion team to have this kind of performance from the goalie, it may be the difference between hosting a playoff game and not. And I'll tell you right now, I will be on the record. If they win the Western Conference, I think Berkey's got to be in the conversation for MVP of the league. Wow, wouldn't that be incredible for an expansion team? Taylor Twelman with us here, brought to you by Together Credit Union. Uh, usually every Tuesday, it's all city all the time, maybe with some messy news in here, as we had a couple weeks ago. Tomorrow night, though, uh, it won't be city. It'll be the U.S. men's national team uh, playing at City Park. And so City Park will be on display for uh, both American soccer fans and fans of the game around the world who will be tuning in and getting a chance to see this building. Uh, your thoughts on the kind of impression the building and obviously the fans have made. And I know you have always been talking about St. Louis as a soccer market, being a native St. Louis. And, but elaborate on what you've heard from people around uh, MLS and around the world on the impact that uh, City Park has made and the uh, St. Louis soccer fans here in the first four months. I think you'll see it Wednesday night, Tim. I think you'll see a red, white, and blue supported crowd. I think there's going to be a home field advantage every single time the U.S. men or women play at City Park. And we all knew that was going to come to fruition. Yet, I, th- I still think people had their doubts. You'll see it Wednesday night. More than likely, you're going to see it in September as the U.S. men are going to probably announce a friendly that's going to be played in St. Louis as well. I think when World Cup qualifiers come back after 2026, World Cup, I guarantee you, World Cup qualifiers are going to be played at City Park. There's just, it was always there. They just needed the Mecca to showcase that. Yeah. They needed a building where they could showcase that. And so now that they have that, I think the U.S. men and women will make St. Louis part of the rotation, a staple uh, within that rotation, in knowing that they're going to get a home field and home crowd advantage. And I would be stunned from what I'm hearing in 2026 that City Park isn't at the forefront of a lot of countries trying to make that their home training base, where your downtown, the stadium, the training facility, uh, it's just got a big-time feel of a big-time franchise in a city that loves the sport. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me one iota if the Italy's or the Ireland's or whoever it may be, when they come here for the 2026 World Cup, they want to make that their home base. Man, how great would that be? And that makes a lot of sense, man. That makes a lot of sense. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome. First off, it should be the United States. But that's, you know, who, who knows what that looks like, Tim. But if, if I was the United States, and depending on where my schedule is, mm-hmm. St. Louis gives you the real ability to make everything shorter flights. Mm-hmm. And it's dead, dead center in the, in the country. So I, I just have heard so many people 
when they see the pictures, they watch the games globally. I'm getting texts from people all over the world saying, you weren't lying. And uh, I take that a little, it's a, it's a backhanded compliment. That just usually means they thought I was lying. But that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? You're right about that. Uh, well, you know, is... like, like, I, like, I, like, I, like I'm always lying. What are you talking about? <laughs> Man, we thought Taylor was full of it, but it turns out he wasn't. Hey, Taylor, you weren't lying? Well, no, I'm full of it, Tim. I'm just full of myself. <laughs> I know that's all about that, too. Uh, Taylor, uh, great analysis. Nice little news uh, note there, and it makes all the sense in the world especially considering Kansas City hosting games and the, and the St. Louis market being right in the middle of the country with this incredible facility here. That would uh, stand to reason in three years when the World Cup comes to uh, the U.S. Taylor Twelman every Tuesday here brought to you by Together Credit Union. Great win on Saturday. We'll see if we can keep the momentum. And, of course, St. Louis on display as the U.S. men's national team hosts a game tomorrow at City Park. Taylor, always enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. Yep. Do they trade Goldschmidt? I'll let you. I'll let that simmer. Oh, and we're back right to the Cardinal topic. Taylor, tease. thank you so much. Uh, there hey, you buddy. Thanks, man. Taylor Twelman with us here, brought to you by Together Credit Union. I will go. I haven't looked at the Air Comfort Service text line yet, uh, but I am anxious to see what the uh, people have been saying on uh, the topic of uh, whether or not people a think the Cardinals would do it, and then do you, as a fan, think they? should do it. This all stems from Ken Rosenthal's column this morning on The Athletic on the Cardinals needing to be bold with either free agency or with selling one or the other. But uh, as he notes, it has not been a place where they really have been bold and they are going to have to make a change one way or the other. So we'll finish off the conversation in our final segment of Balloon Party next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you, BK and Ferrario. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock, Jackson, uh, Taylor Twelman with us in the previous segment. If you missed it, as we talked about uh, the win, great win on Saturday night against San Jose and also the U.S. men's national team playing at City Park tomorrow. You can go back and podcast it via the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. Topic for the first half of the show and here in our final segment of the show, Ken Rosenthal, The Athletic. Um, I don't know if I would call it critical, although I would say uh, many uh, would see it as such. I think he's just kind of given the Cardinals the state of the union, yeah. and that is they got to be bold one way or the other. The time has come, and that, of course, is operating on the premise that they do not get back in the race here over the month, uh, the next month, and the trade deadline stares them in the face, and they're a last-place team or a fourth-place team, and they're 10 games out, eight games out of first place in the National League Central, which most likely would mean they're even further back of the wild card. And here is the thing, by the way, while I did put money on the Cardinals to win the National League Central, not because I expect them to win, but just because I think 8.5 to 1 is good enough value to do it, I get 50 to 1 on them winning the World Series, and I just can't do that. No way. No way. I mean, of course, can it happen? Yes, of course, it can happen. But I just, here's what it comes down to for me is can a rotation of whoever you would even put, I guess, if you had to put the rotation together, I guess. Well, who would you go with? I I think we know what it is. Montgomery. That's your first starter? I'd at the moment, at the very, Michaelis. at the like, we're talking like right this moment, and then you transition to the playoffs. Then yeah, I would take Montgomery, 
Michaelis Flaherty, and then boy oh boy, it's a it's a precipitous drop off. And so that four and five. that's that's where I come in now. If you look at the Cardinals in 2011. They did not have much of a rotation, no. but they did have one guy. Yeah, horse. And if you have that one guy who was able to, because of a rainout, start games one, four, and seven, yeah. uh, and also come back on short rest and pitch, uh, I believe he pitched game two against the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken, and then pitched on short rest against Roy Halladay in that game famous five. game five, right. the NLDS, Chris, Chris Carpenter, that changes things. But if you don't have a guy... Uh, much less the guy that changes things. So the question that I posed to our audience here on 101 ESPN, the following, would you, if you were the Cardinals, listen to Ken Rosenthal's perspective on being bold from the selling standpoint? Because he said either go bold in free agency and sign, or if you're not comfortable doing that, and he doesn't think the Cardinals would, be bold and consider trading away Paul Goldschmidt and even Nolan Arenado. And here is what the people are saying. The Cardinals will not trade Arenado. They could trade Goldschmidt, but I'd be surprised. But I agree we need to be bold. This front office has wasted the prime of two superstars by not surrounding them with enough to contend for a championship. And Mazalak has continuously eroded my trust in him to do it so in any meaningful way. Time for a new core and hopefully a new leadership regime. Uh, let's see. How do you not trade Goldschmidt for a pitching prospect that is a level up from Matthew Libertor? That's from the 314. Uh, I don't believe it will happen, but I'm on board with moving Goldschmidt and the other likely trade candidates. I'd keep Nolan, though. I believe slash hope it'll be a similar trade deadline as last year. Prospects and MLB ready guys for Bieber is what I'm hoping for. And then I'd hope they leave Bieber in after six shutout in the playoffs. That's from Stepdad Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stepdad Gary wanting the Cardinals to be buyers and get Bieber and then leave him in as opposed to pulling Quintana, as was the case. Uh, Tim, was there any talk about trading Albert Pujols in 2011 when the Cardinals were dog crap in the middle of the year? I would prefer a 2011 trade deadline where we reshape the bullpen and hopefully can make a run here in the second half. That's from the 618. Uh, We were doing TMA in 2011, so I can speak to it. I do not recall ever, and I mean not even a whisper of trading away Albert Pujols in 2011. Yeah, uh, that just was, and and really, honestly, it, it's it's the first time I've even heard it discussed. And not that this person who texted in is saying that it was discussed. He's asking me if I heard it. What I would tell you is this: in 2023, if you had somebody of Pujols' magnitude and where the Cardinals were, and they were out of it, um, you would expect a team would at least be talked about considering trading. Yeah. A free agent. And it's interesting to me that just, you know, a decade ago, it wasn't even discussed. I don't know if that's because I'm trying to take myself back to that time period. I think in my mind, I thought he was going to come back. Now, I disagreed with it. I didn't think it was the right move Mm -hmm. and wrote a column about that in 2010 that caught a lot of hell. But by the time he was a free agent and by the time he got the offer he got from the Angels... Most Cardinal fans, not everybody, but I would say 60 to 70 percent were good with saying, okay, good on the Cardinals for not spending what the Angels just did. That would really hamstring the organization. And I would tell you that those people wound up being right. 
but there was no talk about trading him away in 2011. And if there was, I was, uh, I was, I was not aware of it. Uh, why would Goldie leave St. Louis though? When he's in St. Louis, he can play for the fans and not the money. You can't do that in every market. Only one, and that's St. Louis. That's from the 336 Jackson. Uh, that's the fans uh, having an impact, uh, and the players playing for the fans and not the money. It's the Cardinal credo. Thank you. Um, I think what would be interesting, and it could be a very real situation, is if the Cardinals are like five to six games out of the playoff picture come August 1st. It's like Playoff picture or National League Central? No, because, believe, because if, you, if you're in both... That's a whole different story. Yeah. It, is, it is. Yeah. But let's say NL Central, just for the case of argument. Okay. We'll, we'll operate on a five games out. Five games out. What do you do? Because that would mean that they've made a little bit of movement in the month of July. And so things probably look better from an optics standpoint. Then I would trade, again, I say surplus, not necessarily of a lot of talent per se at the moment, but surplus of people who play the outfield and people who play middle infield and attempt to get a Montgomery, Quintana kind of pitcher if that is the scenario you present me. I do not pull the plug, and here is the reason. Similar to um, what was discussed here, I suppose, in, in 2011, uh, that team was not talking about trading away Albert Pools, uh, but didn't go all out. Mm-hmm. They made a, a trade that wound up being one of the most impactful. But at the time, the story was not Mark Zipchinski, Edwin Jackson, Octavio Dotel, and Corey Patterson. The story was, oh, they traded away Colby Rasmus. Right Now, we do an autopsy on that season. We go, without that trade, they don't win the World Series. And yep. I think that would be unanimous. But that was not what was thought at the time. But you did have Albert Pujols. It was his last year. You also had Matt Holliday. You had Chris Carpenter. And you seize that opportunity with lesser playoff spots. In this case, Paul Goldschmidt might not be playing here two years from now, which sounds weird because, again, I think we get so, luckily, I think, in St. Louis, accustomed to star players being here for like a decade at a time. And he hasn't been here close to a decade yet. And so... His time could be coming up. I mean, his age is 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 getting up there, baseball wise, turning thirty six in September, and so you want to maximize that along with Nolan Arenado, and then also Adam Wainwright, even if Adam Wainwright isn't going to be a factor in it, and see what you can do. And if you're five games out, games out in this division, I would not pull the plug on it, and I would attempt to get a pitcher in here or two that can bolster a rotation that would actually give you a chance in the postseason because, in my opinion, at this moment, this rotation would not give you much of a chance. Could it happen? Of course. Who would have thought a rotation with Jaime Garcia, Kyle Lotion, Edwin Jackson would win a World Series? But they had Chris Carpenter and that Albert Pujols and that Lance Berkman and they had Matt Holliday. So those factors come into play when you look back on it. All right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.